Welcome to the Keep Building Podcast. I'm Todd Lebo, CEO of Majestic Steel. We're here to keep you informed in terms of what we're seeing going on in our industry, the market, and relevant topics. So let's keep building. Welcome, everybody, to the Keep Building Podcast. This is Todd Lebo. I'm here again with Scott Peskowitz and Chris Bellman. This is an interesting topic today. Today, we're going to talk about the steel market analysts versus the steel mill executives been a lot of chatter out there about where steel prices will go. And we've heard forecasts from market analysts, and we've also heard what some steel mill executives are thinking about the current market environment. So we're looking forward to talking about this topic today. It's actually pretty interesting. I was at lunch earlier and I ran into somebody who's a developer and he's like, oh, just the person I want to talk to because he was curious about steel prices and what's going on. He mentioned that on a few of his projects, they were quoting out some pretty high steel prices and whether or not they should wait it out or could wait it out or what they should do or how they should approach it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a, an interesting topic right now in terms of where the market is and, and where it will go from here. I'm sure Scott has a ton of information for us as he's now amped up on his monster Java <laughs> coffee over here. I think he went from his Starbucks, Starbucks. triple mocha to a, a, a monster mocha. Yep. So I guess Ball this podcast gets him gets them amped up. So, you know, I, I guess let's start off with the, the market analysts, you know, they're, they're predicting for steel prices to go back to historic levels. Hot roll today is inching close to 2000 a ton. Many of them are predicting a thousand a ton or, or below at some point in the first half of 2022. I think some predicted that as early as end of the year, obviously that's not happening, but why are they predicting that Chris and Scott, why are these analysts predicting prices to go back to historic levels? What are they seeing or what are they, what are they citing? I've seen everything from raw material prices are crashing, too much supply coming online to we've just always gone back to that level. So that's where we're going to go back again, just because that's what the market is. So it seems to be across the board, depending on who you're listening to, who you're reading, where they're seeing different points throughout the market where they can find cracks to uh, push that price falling across the board. Yeah, there, we really just, none of the analysts really understood how COVID has impacted both the supply and demand side of things. That kind of threw a wrench into the way the mills kind of see the market, you know, how they go forward with their production. Like Todd mentioned, we've seen analysts try to push more towards that $630 a ton hot roll, which is the 10-year average. But for the most part, we've seen, we've had a couple analysts, you know, look at the eight to $900 per ton range for hot rolled. But overall, it's really just how the supply situation kind of ties into the demand post-COVID and how, how we go forward from there. Yeah. I mean, we've seen prices climb now for over 12 months. Yeah. 56 straight weeks. Yeah. 56 straight weeks. So obviously prices can't go up forever. I think last week was the first reading that we saw hot rolled come down, albeit really not much of a movement. We're, We're looking at where do prices go from here? It does seem like we're at what I would call a pause in the market at the peak. I know from our perspective, we're not necessarily seeing a ton of availability and a ton of deals. We obviously focus more on the coded market, the hot world market, but I, I don't think that we're necessarily seeing a, a pullback in the market just yet as, as many are predicting. I do think that we've gotten to a point where the market isn't necessarily going up at the rate that it was. But then the question is, 
you know, here we are in, in contract season as we're negotiating 2022 contracts. We are seeing import levels climb and, and form prices at significantly lower than domestic prices. What level of impact will that have? Inventories are healthier than they've been in this whole cycle, but how does that compare to historic? Pasteurization levels are at highs, but I think a lot of times people look at the percentage versus the tonnage. So what does that look like from a tonnage perspective on the supply side? What are we seeing? And then I think let's, let's talk about the demand side and let's talk about what the mill executives are saying. You know, they don't predict prices, obviously, but obviously they are both on their earnings calls and on panels confident about what they see for 2022. And let's, let's talk about why and then try to figure out where this thing is between what the mill executives are thinking and, and what the analysts are predicting. Yeah, on the, I was just going to touch on the import side. We've heard a wave of imports coming on shore. Definitely the spread between domestic and foreign has grown to upwards of four or $500, depending on market and the country of origin you're talking about. But with that, we are still below where we were pre-232 on the import front. And also with the rising disruptions we're seeing on transportation. Sure, if you're on the very far west coast in the Gulf Coast, it may be advantageous to dabble a little bit of imports to help supplement some of your domestic purchases that you mentioned. But being in the Midwest currently, where we sit personally, the transportation issues of getting material to the port, unloading it at the port, getting it onto a truck, bringing it, whether it's to your service center, to a OEM, to an other distribution source, it's just becoming a bigger headache left and right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the uncertainty around just the overall import situation, is that really worth the risk despite the price disparity that we're seeing? I just recently heard we've, we're seeing shipping vessel congestion in California currently at a lot of the ports. There was just a report last week, it said 140 vessels were lined up in the Los Angeles and also Long Beach ports. So you're looking at backed up port congestion. You're also looking at longer days to unload materials. So again, is that really worth the price disparity? We also have shipping container prices up. Last year, they were around $4,000 coming from China. Now they're at like $18,000, much more expensive on that end as well. We've talked about, you mentioned about the port congestion and other mm -hmm. things. We've talked about the global market becoming more regionalized, whether that be yeah. North America, Europe, the Far East. Is it possible we see domestically a more regionalized market where if you're on the ports, LA, Houston, Tampa, Miami, that you could see a different spot market than you could in Chicago, Cleveland, more Midwest areas. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's actually what needs to happen. I think that the prices have kind of converged and we just look at it as one overall price for you know hot rolled, cold rolled and coated. Mm -hmm. I actually think the imports that are coming in right now are needed in certain conversations with domestic mills. They've actually said it's been a, a relief to them to a certain degree because they've either been telling certain customers no, or they're still catching up on orders, even though their lead times have pulled back a little bit, they're still catching up on those orders. So I think that the market right now needs these imports for some relief and the current imports are not necessarily impacting the domestic mills at all. Obviously there's a price disparity. So I think that it just depends on the customer. Where are you located and what do you do in terms of your ability to rely on imports? I think 
definitely more coastal locations can you know rely on it more and that's more of an import driven market and also it depends on you know what your lead time expectation is for materials so i think the answer is right now these imports are actually helping relieve some of the challenges that we've seen in the domestic market otherwise it could be even much worse on the supply side i don't think that they've necessarily disrupted the domestic market yet we don't see that necessarily happening right now but at least something to watch for in terms of the foreign market versus the domestic market yeah and then another thing a lot of these analysts are talking about is the increase in overall capacity in the u.s you know they're saying all this new domestic capacity coming online it's going to flood the market push spot prices lower and you know they're they're also mentioning you know how mill utilization rates are now at 85% the highest level since 2008 however they're not mentioning how overall mill consolidation has led to 150,000 or so to, uh, less tons per week 7% roughly less compared to those 85% mill rates in 2008 overall the with the mill consolidation we have the top four steel producers now accounting for more than 75% of the production so they can kind of control the supply situation a lot better than say back in 2000 when it was like 43%. Overall, we just see how the supply situation is impacting everything. Yeah, Scott, those are some important facts that I think that sometimes get overlooked. When you look at the capacitalization level, the mills are running full. However, the tonnage level is not what it was, as you mentioned, back at previous peaks in, in the 08 market. And we have fewer mills controlling that production today. So I think sometimes that gets overlooked in terms of what the actual numbers are. And then the same thing happens on the inventory side. When we look at the total apparent supply and you look at domestic production, you look at imports and you look at the inventory level, you know, what does that look like as a whole? It's definitely healthier today than it was just a few months back. And we're seeing that and it's definitely slowed the market down some, but I think that it's important to look at what those actual numbers mean. On the inventory side, we've seen months on hand increase compared to where we were at lows during COVID, but we're still historically not at really high inventory levels. I think healthier inventory levels. Chris, what do you see in terms of the inventory tonnage and on order picture compared to months on hand and, and historic? Yeah, we've definitely seen inventories at the service center level increase. I think it's four or five straight months now where the actual tonnage on hand has increased. But if you just compare it back to this time last year, we're still 20, 15, 20% below where we were at that time. We've also heard talk and have seen lead times start to pull back a little bit. If you go from 12 weeks to 10 weeks, that's definitely pulling back some, but it's still out longer than where the yeah, current service time. center inventory is. So if you're in a service center and your demand remains strong, we're seeing shipments on a per day basis and this year being the strongest since 2008. So are, how are you going to manage your business if you just stop buying altogether, kind of lean off your inventory if lead times are already extended farther than your current months of supply are? Yeah. And you can't expect it to stay at those historic levels. At some point, the mills are going to catch up and lead times need to retract from where they were because we've been at historic long lead times, as you said, and, and, and same thing with the inventory level. And, and that's where I think we are. I think we're at a point where it's not fully caught up yet, but it's also not fully stretched like it was. So I think we're seeing that point in the market and, and prices can't go up forever. I mean, hot rolled at the bottom of the market was 
in the 400 a ton range. And now we're pushing to the $2,000 a ton range. But to think that Hot World can be back 500 a ton, 600 a ton by mid-year of 2022 just seems like a significant stretch. It'd be pretty drastic decline. Right. Yeah. A lot, a lot of uh, the mill execs on their calls were mentioning they think it's going to be more of a slow, def- you know, deflating balloon, a slow, steady decline, not a, you know, a massive drop off overnight. I mean, I've always heard pricing's either going up or it's going down along with this new paradigm shift we've talked about throughout the industry, whether that be new leadership, more discipline, tighter supply market. Is there room for a plateau? Just if pricing fluctuates 5, 10% up or down, is that really a collapse in pricing? Is, is that a cycle or is that just a continuation of where we are kind of leveled off a little bit as the market recalibrates? And I think that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the market um, plays out over the next eight to 12 weeks from here, because like you said, what, what is an up or down movement? And if it moves up or down slightly within a range, the market indices have caught up now to where the spot market prices were. Usually it lags as it is reaching to where the market is, is moving towards, but now it's caught up. So now what happens if we see a down reading this week, does it mean that the market is starting to pull back or are we just now at a point where it's within range? If we see it bump up again, what does that mean today? You know, From our perspective, I think that we're just at that point where it could potentially plateau. I think we're also in contract season. Mills are obviously taking a different approach towards their contracts. And a lot of those contracts are also driven by the spot market. If you're going out and negotiating the contract today, and then the spot market collapses in 2022, what does that mean for your contract? And how does that impact the contract market? So I think there's a lot at stake right now, both on the supply side and also the demand side. I think the other thing is a lot of the market analysts are talking about the supply side and supply coming online and historic pricing and where raw material costs are. I think that right now we're not in a cost-driven market. We've always been able to look at it and say, okay, where's scrap trading at? And what does that correlate to, to steel prices? Right now we're in a market-driven pricing environment, not a cost-driven pricing environment. And we've been there obviously for this whole cycle, but is that now the new paradigm shift that it's a it's not necessarily where scrap or iron ore or raw materials are trading. It's what's going on with supply and demand and what's happening with steel prices. And I think that's the big question is the demand side. What will demand look like moving forward? And obviously the mills are investing in new capacity. Some of that most recently announced US steel and, and Nucor. We have some time before that'll come up, but they obviously see something and believe that demand is going to continue to remain strong for the foreseeable future and that steel is going to be the material of choice for that demand. So I think the demand side is a big thing here that we need to discuss and, and understand what happens with auto, where are we expecting it to land in 2021 and what happens in 2022 in terms of parts and the chip shortage, what happens with energy market, what happens with the construction market? What are you what are your guys' thoughts and what are you seeing? Yeah, definitely on the demand side, I would say this would be the bottom of on the auto market, on the production side, I don't think that it's going to get any worse than it was this year. We just got August production numbers the other day, and they showed an increase from July, which was kind of the bottom. Our expectation is that it's going to continue to recover through this year and start to get back to 
historical levels next year as the global chip semiconductor issue starts to resolve itself. And that's just going to be an additional pull on demand. I mean, auto is 20, 25% of the coded flat road market demand, and it was less than its uh, fair share of pull this year. So any kind of rebounding there is just going to add to the additional strong demand we've seen on the construction appliance ag side. That's already been a big pull for coded flat road this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We mentioned on the COVID podcast how the automotive industry was severely impacted by COVID. The dealer inventories were depleted. The rental car companies, you know, had to deplete their inventory to stay alive. So yeah, as Chris mentioned, automotive is going to be probably one of the main leading end markets going forward. And that's really what Nucor, their CEO mentioned for their new mill coming up here in the Midwest, estimated 2023-2024. They mentioned the automotive market as being one of the strengthening markets going forward. That's really one of the main focuses there. Yeah, I think something else to note there is they also mentioned the environmental economy as well as the digital economy. Mm-hmm. And you know, what do they mean by that? I think that steel is the material of choice when it comes to sustainability. We're going to see more of a push towards sustainability. And, and obviously the EAFs have an advantage there in terms of how they, they make steel and also hearing what mills like Cliffs are doing and, and what U.S. is doing on that front as well. And then the digital economy with you know, more warehouses and distribution centers and data centers going up, there's a significant amount of growth in that with e-com being the consumer's choice, just seeing more demand on that front. I think obviously the mills have also invested in their own demand. So you look at Nucor, who's bought up a lot of downstream manufacturers they're not necessarily looking at what is going on everywhere. They're looking at what they see in front of themselves in terms of their own backlog of demand and and their businesses. So I I think obviously they feel confident in bringing more supply online, given the fact that more of their downstream companies are consuming greater and have a backlog for demand. There's definitely demand for steel today. And the question is, will that demand continue to grow at the rate or greater than the plans for supply to come online, as well as will the mills be more disciplined in terms of controlling production and bringing production offline? I think we're seeing some of that right now with some of the planned outages. But when push comes to shove and your order books are weaker, you know, we all know typically when their order books are strong, their lead times are long, they don't necessarily need business. They're in a position where they can stay disciplined on pricing. When order books get weak and there's holes, what happens? Do they accept a lower utilization rate? Do they cut production? Or do they go out and, and fill that with spot tons at a lower number? What will happen? Yeah, a couple of things there. I think one is almost all the new capacity we've seen come out, or it is all the new capacity we've seen come online is the VAF production type. A lot more efficient, a lot more easy to manage in a a market cycle. You can slow it down, speed it up, where it's not necessarily churning out tonnage, whether you want it to or not, without having to shut it off or turn it back online. And also, they're all, these are pre-existing companies that are adding new capacity. It'd be different if a new entity came into the market and decided they were going to build a mill. It's SDI, it's US Steel, it's Nucor, and we've even seen Cliffs vertically integrate into scrap and HBI. It's a move to an EAF production, which is more efficient, 
easier to control. So even the added capacity, I think we easier managed a because of the less players in the market and b the type of production moving forward. I don't know what this does for integrated long-term. We've heard us with their announcement kind of say this new EAF capacity may come at the rationalization of some of their integrated furnaces currently. Yeah. And the, another thing to remember is when a new furnace comes online, it doesn't, you know, hit optimal production right away. It's, it's a slow ramp up. It can take many months. So the, the whole supply situation and how that affects pricing, this is going to end up being pushed down, you know, the road, maybe mid 2022, we start to see the overall impact uh, on the pricing side as well. Yeah, those are good points. I think a lot of times people don't necessarily understand what that means from an impact on the market. You're right. One, with new supply coming online, it's coming online within the same discipline of players that are already in the market, not necessarily someone disrupting it. It could come online at the expense of older, less efficient capacity. And as you said, Scott, it doesn't necessarily all just come online. So when you hear about you know, 3 million tons being added to the market, 3 million tons don't just show up immediately. Right. And there's a ramp up process. Yeah. The uh, conversation with Mark Miller, the CEO of STI, basically said they hope to be up to 80% utilization at their new sitting facility yeah. by the end of next year. That's over 12 months from now, uh, just right. to get up to 80% utilization. Right. So the, the market's not just going to get flooded, which has really been one of the main sticking points with the on the analyst side. They think all this capacity, you know, steel Mageddon, ever all this is going to come on at the same time and kind of flood the market, which might not end up being the case. So going back to the topic of this podcast, you have the steel market analysts. They're predicting a fall. They've been predicting a fall for quite some time. I think that, you know, if you go back and look at it, it'd be great to actually hold all these analysts accountable. What did they predict and when did they predict it? And then what actually happened? I'd love to see that chart in terms of you saw the prediction for prices to come down by the end of this year. Well, obviously we're still at peak prices. So that doesn't seem realistic that we'll be at, you know, 500, 600 hot wheels by the end of this year. So I'd love to see that in terms of a historic trend on what they actually predicted and, and, and what actually happened. Well, you know what they say, the best prediction is the most recent prediction. So just keep doing it over and over and over again, you're bound to get it, get it right eventually. So what they, yeah, they're basically able to reforecast every single month. So it's interesting to, to kind of hear from the analyst side that they're expecting this market to collapse and fall back to historic levels. And then on the mill executive side, you know, they see kind of a paradigm shift in the industry for a lot of reasons that, that we already know. They're not necessarily predicting where prices are going to go. They're always cautious about doing that. But if hot world is pushing to 2000 today, and there's projections of it falling to as low as 500. That's a huge range. Where does this thing play out? What, what do we see happening? What are your guys' thoughts? Not that we're in the market of projecting prices as well, but just kind of from your sense, I mean, you guys are looking at the numbers all day, every day and tracking the movements. What do you think actually happens high level? Yeah, I think what you said, no one expects pricing to remain at these historic levels long-term, there's definitely going to be a new plateauing cycle where you see up and down movements, but at a higher level. When pricing falls, it's not going to fall back to um, $500 a ton on the hot roll side, whether it be where that new baseline is, whether it's $1,000 for 
hot roll, 1250, kind of the market's going to dictate that. But I think what it's going to be shorter, higher level cycles than we've seen historically in the past, basically due to just the supply situation we've talked about. We've all heard it's the main supplier to the market. You're seeing smaller players here and there. The import will get in where they can. I mean, like you said, it's welcome in most circumstances. And so I don't think there's going to be a huge disruption on the supply side. It's going to be more on the demand and any kind of black swan events we see that could swing it significantly one way or the other. Yeah, the, the mill CEOs are incredibly bullish the remainder of the year. They all mentioned high order backlogs. We also have the mill outages, which we've talked about on many previous podcasts before, you know, the 1.6 million tons coming out through the remainder of this year. Overall, like Chris mentioned, it's really a demand side. The mills are kind of controlling supply. They can kind of control where prices are and kind of ease things down if it ever comes to that point. But as long as demand stays high, there's really no reason for this to just fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, from my perspective, I don't expect the market analyst to be accurate. I don't think the market's going to collapse. I don't think we're going back to historic levels anytime soon. I think that we're in a different environment today. I do believe that it's not a cost-driven market. I think it's a market-driven environment. And I think the mills have recognized that. I agree that I don't think prices go up forever. It's not a one-way street. So I think we have definitely hit a lull in terms of peak pricing, but I think that it's plateauing here. I don't necessarily see a pullback immediately, but I do think that at some point prices will correct to a level that is our so-called new norm at a, at a higher level than they were historically. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that the change in the landscape on the mill side has helped. I think that the import side isn't as disruptive, even though the price divergence is high. I think it's more supporting the demand in the market than it is disrupting the supply in the market. And I think that demand looks to be strong in end markets that consume steel and steel should be and will be the material of choice. So I think that prices will remain elevated, just not at historic levels. I think that the interesting thing is going to be in 2021, there is little to no spot availability. So in 2022, what does that spot availability look like? I think when there's no spot availability, it gives the mills no room to manage their order book, to have any ebb and flow. So I think that was challenging for them. So I think that they'll look to have some spot availability, but how do they treat that spot availability? The spot come at a premium and a contract is you know, having guaranteed supply, or if their order books get weak, at some point, do they use that spot to go fill the order books? And I think that's going to be the big question that'll determine where the market settles. And I think that if you're a large contract buyer, that's going to be interesting because you're now facing these current situations where there's more discipline on the contract side. How do you manage your buy if the, the spot market is, is treated that way? So I think that's kind of the, the unknown that we'll, we'll have to understand as we move forward. But the industry is in a healthier spot today. And I think that's good for the industry. I think that's good for the steel mills. And that's good for everyone in the supply chain, as long as end users can get product, get the product they need, and at a market cost that they can absorb and pass on. I think if it's at a cost that they can't absorb and, and, and can't pass on, then 
you're starting to risk demand and push demand away. And I think that's risky. So we'll stay tuned, but we don't believe the market analysts of catastrophic correction are, are accurate. We also think that there's a new norm that we need to figure out and haven't necessarily seen it yet. I don't know anything else uh, from, from you guys. How's your pulse? <laughs> we are definitely not sponsored by Java Monster. So I will not be drinking that on the next podcast, but thank you all for, for tuning into the Keep Building podcast and stay tuned. This has obviously been an interesting market to date and look forward to seeing how it plays out through the end of the year into 2022 and talking about that further with these two great market experts.